Alright, welcome back to another episode of You're Not Wrong, but where today we're going to cover just general NFL news, the Jonathan Taylor situation, and we're going to, you know, do have a little fun. We're going to do these Who Would You Rather Have? Shout out to my friend Pedro for suggesting this, um, and let's get started. Um, a lot of news over the last couple of days in the NFL, you know, uh, Joe Burrow got a calf injury. Um, as we know, uh, Jenna Ramsey had a surgery. A lot of players have gone down still. And, you know, some drama, too, between coaches and between coaches. Sean Payton calling out the previous regime in Denver. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers and a lot of guys really take responding to it. And, you know, it's kind of crazy that coaches are going after coaches. You would think that, you, I mean, usually they're pretty cordial about it, but Sean Payton held no no punches. He basically said that it was all their faults and, you know, they sucked because of Daniel Hackett. And it's wild because, you know, yes, he wasn't very good, but, I mean, blame everyone. Blame the people who hired him. He's basically taking shots at his, shots at his, own, uh, at his own bosses, if you think about it. I mean, they hired Hackett. They made all these things happen and just were a total dumpster fire. And so it's been juicy drama ever since. I know there's people who are debating whether it was a thing where he just forgot that he was, you know, on the record or, you know, he just set his mind or whatever it was. But those kind of shots are making up for some juicy games. Cause I believe the Jets play the, yeah, the Jets play the Broncos this season. So... And Aaron Rodgers already came out, stood up for his boy, saying, "Hey, you know, don't that was that wasn't that was basically breaking a code, uh, bro code or whatever, just pissing Rodgers off." And as anybody who's ever seen Rodgers plays no play knows, you piss Rodgers off, there's a good chance he's gonna drop like a 40, 40 burger on you because homie will just go off. And he's been very adamant about Nathaniel Hackett being his, you know, his good friend. He's always defended him, um, always talked glowingly about him. And, you know, he considers him one of his favorite coaches of, according to Rodgers, one of his favorite coaches of all time. And so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I know they have, he's mentioned that he can't wait to play him in, what was it, week, whatever week it was. I think it's week five, I believe, that they play. And, you know, it's going to be one hell of a game. Um, he's going to, I think he's going to absolutely just slaughter. They're going to slaughter the, the, the Broncos. And it's going to be probably well-deserved. I mean, you don't really go out of your way to talk crap of another coach. And a lot of people say, speculate that it's because this is Sean Payton's way of saying, hey, this is what I was left with. It, I'm taking over this trash situation. I mean, how do you expect me to work with this if the other guy left all this stuff? And so he's kind of just trying to cover himself. And that's a horrible way to just kind of cop yourself out. Like, come on. You chose this, I mean, they chose to trade for you. You wanted to go there, and yeah, week five. I, I would confirm it is week five, and ooh, I feel bad for that defense because I feel like they're going to just have the best game of their season. 
against the Broncos. And Sean Payton should be ready for whatever kind of questions they're going to ask him because he knows he lit a fire on the Rodgers on that one and Rodgers is going to come out and light up his defense. And while the Broncos do have a very good defense, their offense, even with Russ, and if Russ gets back to, to form, it's getting banged up pretty quickly. I mean, they also lost Tim Patrick again. Um, I think a full torn Achilles this time around, which really sucks. And I believe... KJ Hamler also had some issues, um, but man, like when it rains, it pours for them. And yeah, oh, he got waved now apparently because uh, he had a heart condition. So there goes there goes the the um, some of the wide receiving core for the Broncos. Who do they even have left? Let's find out. So I know they have Jerry Judy um, and Corlin Sutton. And I know Judy was on a trade block or was considered to be on a trade block last season. But so far, it seems like it is a very, very... Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, Marcus Callaway, Kendall Hinton... It is, and I know Marvin Mims is there too. Uh, yeah, this is not a good receiving core outside of Cortland and Judy. Marvin Mims does have a chance to to make cover himself a role, and he's going to have to if they want to be good. But man, that's a big blow. The and then they just added bulletin board material for the for the Jets for Week Five, um, and you know they're going for the throat. You might see, you might, they might pitch a shutout. Who knows? But it's going to be, I mean, those Russ, Russ Rogers games are always good, but who knows what this Broncos offense is going to look like. And it'll be, it'll be, it'll be Sean Payton's fault if he just would have kept his mouth shut and just said, you know, hey, you know, maybe he didn't disagree with some of the, he didn't agree with some of the things and just, you know, kept it cordial. It would have been nice, but now they got to deal with a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. And now we're going on to the Jonathan Taylor situation, which is extremely odd. Jonathan Taylor talked about um, wanting to get a contact contract extension, um, and then he requested a trade, and then Ursay came out and was like, we're not trading you, um, and claiming he they also claiming he has a back injury and Taylor's claiming he didn't have a back injury and it's a lot of drama coming out of Indy and it sucks for Indy because their depth at running back is not good at all um I believe one of their running backs also just broke their arm recently um and Jonathan Taylor he's a stud back when healthy I mean he's one of the best backs in the NFL. It was Zach Moss who broke his arm and will be out four to six weeks according to ESPN. And, you know, that really leaves no one back there for the for the Colts. And they're going to need to rely on a run game because if they do end up starting with, with Anthony Richardson, I mean, he's shown in camp he can sling the ball. But, you know, camp and being in the game is completely different. You're going up against, you know, your guys and your defensive coordinator, which will help, but you don't know what these guys are going to bring in, in that first week. I mean, 
they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars week one, and they have a very good defense. Um, we saw them stifle the the Chargers in the playoffs last season, and granted, it, it's a whole new it's a whole new team, you know, additions of additions, subtractions, you know, not the same players all all around, but still, you know, they're a budding defense, and to have to face them week one, it's going to be it's going to be rough. Um, and you know, Anthony Richardson, if he's still raw, it could be Minshew. But either way, they they could really use Jonathan Taylor to really depend on the run game and lessen the stress for Richardson, at least until he gets acclimated to the speed and the just overall nature of the NFL, at least for, for, for his first couple weeks. And with Jonathan Taylor requesting a trade, I mean, it's it's crazy because you see this running back market that's just watered down to all hell. The only one who's really signed has been Saquon, and his deal was questioned by a lot of people. And it's so incentive-laden. And so we get reports that the Raiders are wanting to are open to renegotiating with uh, Josh Jacobs. And, you know, I just I just don't see some of these things happening. I mean, with Jonathan Taylor, Ursay says no trade. They're not going to trade him. But I believe if you make him a big enough offer that he will more than likely end up being traded. I mean, since they're a rebuilding team, uh, yes, he's a corner. He could be a cornerstone piece. But if they truly feel that running backs aren't as valued, I mean, he basically said it. Uh, he's basically saying it by saying he won't trade him. Like, yes, we won't pay you, but you're too valuable to be traded. So it's 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 a lose lose if you're a running back. And I think, according to what I've read online, a couple by different sources. Um, I think he ends up getting traded. Who trades for him? It's the real mystery. I've read a lot that a lot of teams are are talking about that they're willing to trade, and I can see why you would trade for someone like Jonathan Taylor, who's very young still. Um, very young. He's like, he's entering. I don't even think he's 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 even close to his like prime yet. He's still a young player. He's been very good from the beginning, and you know teams like I read about rumble. I read rumblings about possibly like the Chiefs wanting to trade for him, which would be a little shocking to me, since they do have Pacheco, and Pacheco has been running really hard. He's cheap. He's a good running back. Um, people are saying maybe the Lions, not the Lions, excuse me, the Bears, which I would see that as a beautiful fit with Justin Fields, especially if they're going to do the the dual running back uh, quarterback thing, you know, uh, read option stuff, running their quarterback would be beautiful. That'd be a hard, hard offense to stop. But they also have some young backs, and, you know, I just think they need to focus more on trying to develop Fields' passing abilities as opposed to him running yes yes he's a runner but if you want him to last long term he's gonna have to develop his passing abilities and you know I see you know see teams like the Bills the Dolphins the Patriots were heavily rumored to be interested in Jonathan Taylor I can see guys like that possibly being interested although with Dalvin Cook still being out there and you could possibly get him for cheap 
or at least cheaper than you would have to pay Jonathan Taylor's extension. Um, it's 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 gonna be weird because some of these teams, you know, they're in win now mode. The Dolphins, the Bills, um, the Chiefs. There's no the Chiefs just won it. The the Cowboys could be a team who, who take a look at a at at um, Taylor. You know, have their thunder and lightning again. And there's countless other teams. I mean, if you're a team with a decent running back who's not a superstar, you're probably looking at the Colts like, what would it take for me to get this man off of your hands? And I don't, I mean, look at the Saints. Kamara's going to talk to the commissioner, I guess, pretty soon to figure out if he's going to have a suspension or not. And if I'm the Saints, I'm looking at this Jonathan Taylor situation like, this could be our chance to get ourselves a, another running back for the future. I mean, Kamara is getting up there in age. He's still a very good running back. He, he has seen a decline in the last couple of years. He's been injured. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this, um, this situation resolves. I think, I think he ends up getting traded, but for like a monster trade. Probably like a one, a player, and a two maybe. Maybe two ones. Um, I wouldn't trade anything that high for him. I'd consider maybe a two. And maybe throw in like a receiver or a guard or something. Um, something to just kind of sweeten the deal. But it's it's going to be on situations to keep an eye on. Um, same thing with like Josh Jacobs. Great running back. He's been just kind of screwed by this whole situation. And, I mean, I guess we can throw Eckler in there as well because there's these guys, you know, who deserve to get paid, but they're not getting paid and they're not getting traded, according to their teams. So, it, it leaves a lot to be seen. I mean, I I'm still, a, as much as I love watching the passing game, you need to run the ball. It keeps defenses honest, and it allows your team to just kind of, like, take a breather. You know, if you're pounding the defense. Your wide receivers are either blocking or they're trying to, you know, do what they can. And if you're leaning on a good run game, you know, you run out the clock quicker. You can, you know, take advantage of things. You can really control the, you can really control the game. And so... It's going to be one of those situations we keep an eye on. Um, and then, let's see. And that's really it for about the league. I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of drama. So, just wanted to touch on that some. And, oh, also, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet have been injured. So, we're going to, we're really going to see what, what Seattle does at, at, at running back, but let's move on to to have a little fun here. In my opinions and some of these things. Um, one of my good friends, Pedro, suggested. You know, I'm always on Facebook sharing stuff about football, and there's these pages that sometimes share like, "Who would you have?" And you know, he gave me the idea. I was like, you know, you should talk about this at a podcast. And I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. So we're gonna do that. One of the first ones I saw was, um, "Who would you rather have, Julio?" Or Mike Evans. 
and this one's tough. As much as I joke around and call Mike Evans a glorified tight end, mostly because he played with Brady, but it is hard to deny a player who's had a thousand yards pretty much every season he's been in the league. Dude is a superstar. He's not the fastest, but and he doesn't get much separation. But dude always catches the ball, and is always he seems to have a nose for the end zone. He makes big plays when you need to, when you need when you need him. And he's just really been like a, just a consistent player every year. He's not like the splashy player that Julio was. You know, Mike Evans is a household name. If you heard Mike Evans, you probably know who that is. But he, it's not at the level of Julio Jones. Like you hear Julio Jones, you immediately think Falcons top receiver, dude from Alabama who was a baller, um, one of the best receivers of his generation. Like. And it makes me wonder, like, who would I pick? I'm starting my team. I got to choose between Julio and Mike Evans. If I can't take both, I'll be honest, I'm probably taking Julio. Julio has more speed. Mind you, this is Julio if he's healthy. If it's injured Julio or, you know, that's the thing about Julio. His, His career has been marred by injuries. And it's what sucks because... And I guess quarterback play to an extent because while Matt Ryan was very good, he wasn't this all elite level quarterback that, you know, really I feel could have brought out Julio's potential. And Julio Jones just was, I don't know, big dude, could run fast, ran rounds, did everything. And while Mike Evans is a very large man, he's just like, he doesn't have the speed for me. And I like. I like those physical freaks that can just run, catch, can do all of it, and jump. And I would take Julio, but it's not by much. If we're being honest here, the only thing that really separates them two besides speed is consistency and being healthy. And Mike Evans has been healthy for most of his career. Very good, very good wide receiver. And, you know, I think he'll end up, both of them will be end up being Hall of Famers. Um, I don't see why not. I don't see why they wouldn't be both included. I mean, the way they changed the game, like if you got a big possession receiver, you were looking for a guy like like Mike Evans. If you were looking for just that superstar beast receiver, you wanted to get somebody who was built like Julio. He was strong. He was fast. Could catch, could run routes. So both of them definitely changed the game in their own way. Um... Another one I saw was a, a one that I really liked was pick your wide receiver for the next five years, and they gave you Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and DJ Moore. And this one was tough because out of the draft with with, with the Olave and Wilson, I was more of an Olave fan. He is a smaller receiver, but man, could he run routes really well. He was the best route runner of the two, in my opinion. And he had speed. He was definitely faster than Wilson. Um, Wilson had size, though. And he had a better catch radius. And was a better... I want to say a better athlete. But it, it was close. And then there's DJ Moore. Smaller receiver. But dude has been a beast with whoever's been his quarterback. He's been very, very consistent. And he's been very good for the Panthers. We'll see how he does with Justin Fields as his quarterback. But I think they're going to have a fabulous rapport. He's one of those receivers that you can just throw anyone out there 
and he's going to catch the ball for you. And But I went with Chris Olave. Um, like I said, I think he's a better route runner. He is most definitely the better... Well, actually, him and DJ Moore are pretty much the same on D-threat level. But I think that Chris Olave just... You can put him outside, inside, and he excels. I mean, he is a smaller guy. So he's not going to give you those amazing circuit catches, circus catches that Garrett Wilson might give you. But his route running is just is so crisp. He's so good. And he's he's still figuring himself out. Like, I think when he reaches his prime, he's going to be a very, very good wide receiver. Um, another one I really liked, and this one's going to be a, probably a very lopsided opinion, but... Tuatunga Vailoa or Jared Goff? I'm a Jared Goff guy. I think he's very good. I think I like what I mean. I like what he's doing in Detroit. But Tuatunga Vailoa, he is just a surgeon on the field. When he's healthy, he is just Drew Brees. Um, he is Chad Pennington. He's like a Chad Pennington clone. Um, some of the people I follow on Twitter, um, Omar Kelly and uh, Alan Poupart, they have their podcast, and there's some of my my people I like to look at their stuff for for Dolphins uh, stuff, and you know they were having a talk about how about how Tungavailoa has surpassed the bar of practicing like Chad Pennington, who when Chad Pennington practiced. He was a beast. He, like he tore up defenses. He was extremely accurate, and now Tunga Bailoa has essentially surpassed him. And he's basically the same player, um, minus the leadership. But I not same player. He's a better player at this point in his career. Chad Pennington was older when he was released from the Jets to come and went to the Dolphins. So he was he was he wasn't he had a very good year, but he wasn't like this wow you quarterback. Tungo Vailoa is slowly starting to turn back into, you know, this while you quarterback. Well, he'll make some throws, and you're like, goodness gracious. Like, he doesn't have a cannon. We all know this. But he doesn't have the cannon that Goff has. Goff has a very, very strong arm. But the accuracy and pinpoint timing that Tungo Vailoa has is just excellent. And you can't – some quarterbacks, you know, they're just – they may not be physically gifted with, you know, great arms or height or, you know, this and that. But they'll have timing. They'll have precision. precision, And they'll have, you know, the ability to move in the pocket, have that pocket awareness. And that's something that Tango Bailoa is very good at. So give me Tua 10 out of 10 times. And this one was tough. It was start two, cut two. DK Metcalf, T. Higgins, Debo Samuels. And Christian Kirk. And I had to sit there and think. Because I like DK. I like all these receivers. Christian Kirk, not so much. But I can't deny he was very good in Jacksonville. Or has been very good in Jacksonville. I was a Debo fan coming out of college. Um, Same thing with T. Higgins. DK, I thought would be a bust. Because, you know, these big... Big dudes who can run fast usually are one-trick ponies, but DK is starting to develop. And if I had to start two, I think T. Higgins would definitely be one one of my choices. He'd be my number two. 
Um, a lot of people say he can go to another team and be a number one. I don't personally think that. I think he serves better as a number two, as your deep threat kind of guy, or maybe you throw him and have him at a big slot and throw him as a as a deep threat player. Um, the second one I would start though, even though it's tough, I would have to say it would be DK because as much as I like Debo, I feel like Debo is too much of a multi-weapon kind of receiver you to line him up in the backfield which is cool and good and all but I want him out there running routes I want him out there trying to scare defenses and I just don't think he does that as much as like a DK would because DK you can line up anywhere on the field and his size alone is just a matchup nightmare for some corners you try to put a linebacker on him he's probably gonna burn in linebackers and like I said he's still not entering his prime yet he's still learning and so I think that's what's scary about him if he can stay healthy and continues to move forward and just develop quietly and you know become the receiver he can be. He can be he can be very, very good. And um T. Higgins, like I said, he's that deep threat guy, like big bodied receivers, and just I was just a fan of him. So and my last one is start, bench, cut, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker the third, and Travis Etienne Jr. And this one was tough. I really like Brees. I really like all three of these uh, running backs. Really do. If I had to start one, I'm a big Kenneth Walker guy. Have been since college, but it's very close. Brees Hall was fantastic. Solid running back. Just injury scares me a little bit. But if he comes back healthy the way he was, the league needs to be on notice because he's very, very good. Kenneth Walker, smaller back, but runs so hard. He's a very good back. And ETN, ETN's like, he's not, he doesn't have like elite fast speed that the other ones have. Not that they're like super fast or anything, but he can catch the ball. He's a very well balanced, he's experienced. And so, but I would probably cut Kenneth, I would keep Kenneth Walker. I would start him. I would probably bench Brees Hall. And unfortunately, I would cut Travis ETN. And the only reason I would keep Brees Hall is because he's a slightly bigger back who runs between the tackles very well and has speed to bounce it outside as well. Travis Etienne, he can catch the ball. He can run through tackles and everything. But he he just, I don't know, he doesn't have that it factor that I see in some of these other running backs like Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Like you just see them, you're like, ooh, okay. Um, it's tough though, cause with Travis, you can really flank him out as a receiver and he'd do really well. But unfortunately, I think that's the way I would go with that. And yeah, and I guess we have a few more. We have one more. Who would you take over Saquon Barkley? Chubb, Jacobs, Eckler, Henry. I'll let you know right now, Chubb is my choice. As much as I'm a Derrick Henry fan. Give me Nick Chubb. He has been so consistent throughout his career. He can catch. He can block. He can run through tackles. He can bounce it outside. Dude's one of the best all-around backs. Um, honestly, I would probably take all these except for Eckler over Saquon. I'm not an Eckler fan. Um, I think he's a good scat back. He has power. He looks like he can, he can be the part of a full-time running back. But I just, I've never been sold on him. I think he's a better pass catcher than he is a runner. 
and he he does find his way into the end zone, but but it doesn't doesn't cut it for me. I, I like the bigger bigger physical backs. But that's all for today. Just remember, you're not wrong, but. <laughs>